The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily represent the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that. So, uh, if you refresh your uh, is, is Dave browser, still here? is Dave still here? Because we haven't heard from him. <laughs> Dave, Dave, not here. I'm just, you know, kind of letting you guys get your cobwebs cleared. <laughs> well, you're going to have a long wait. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you may. I know, well I've known Burnside at least up. 20 years, and spiders work faster. Oh man! <laughs> oh, man, well, spiders what? do work fast. But where, where's they work this? faster than he clears the cobwebs. Trust me. Trust me. Oh. <laughs> you guys have an odd friendship. You you just well you know I mean I don't know. I, I the, only, the only thing I can say is um, <laughs> he gives as good as he receives. Let's put it that. Way. <laughs> so many straight lines. Are we ready to roll? <laughs> We're rolling, man. We're rolling. It's it's it's, it's chugging along here. Uh, it's chugging along. Really- I don't, know. I don't know if I can leave that. I don't in think not. you could keep I that don't one think in. I can leave that in. <laughs> but hey, it's, it's a direct you know, quote. It's, it, I, I think that was quote. an exact quote. Yeah, yeah. it's an absolute direct quote, and uh, it's, it's, and it's online all sorts of places. It's part of legend. <laughs> it's part of legend. Well, if, if, it gets, if, if it gets it, bold, we'll put it back. That's right. Well, welcome, folks, to episode number 58 of Uncontrolled Hairspace, the general aviation podcast. We've already been having too much fun here. I, don't, I have no clue. Is that clue. uncontrolled hairspace? I'm not sure how much we've shared with, of, of that with you folks, but, uh, but we're already having a good time here. Uh, we're recording this episode uh, on Wednesday evening, December 5th, 2007. And uh, I guess I'll just jump in and say hi to the other folks who are here in the virtual hangar. Let's see, we've got uh, Dave's out there, Dave Higdon. Dave is an aviation photographer, a senior editor for Kit Planes Magazine, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. And he's talking to us from Wichita, Kansas. Hi, Dave. How you doing? Oh, doing great. Good evening, everybody. Uh, hello from the air capital. The, the air capital of America, of the world. Of, of the world. Air capital of the world. Yeah? And yep. uh, there's a new, there's a brand new Wizard of Oz uh, remake on TV these days. I, I, uh, I've been watching it. Have you? Is it good? Uh, I don't yes. Know. I, see, I'm, I'm going through this whole basic cable experiment right now, where I've downgraded everything, <laughs> and I'm um, watching a lot of TV on the internet. But I've got very basic cable, and that's one of the channels I don't get. So I'm waiting for it to be available on the internet. You, you don't get sci-fi on basic? No. Oh my so. God, that's Spartan. No, I mean, it's sure. super basic. It's like 20 channels. It's. It's mega. Well, that's that's not basic. That's you still got to walk over and change channels with a knob. <laughs> that's right. Do you, do you have to like wait for the antenna to to change its position before the signal <laughs> no. comes in really clear? We're clearing what? out my parents' house, which is the house what we are, all grew up in, and we actually had one of those antennas mounted in the in the attic one time. I remember oh, that. Yeah. And you turn the little yeah. knob on top of the uh, TV, and it would go clunk clunk as the uh-huh. as the repeater motor up in the attic would re re aim the. Oh my God, are we aging ourselves? Jeb Burnside is out there. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along. Jeb is an aviation journalist currently serving as editor in chief of Aviation Safety Magazine, and he's also a contributing editor to Avweb Biz, and he's talking to us from sarasota florida hi jeb how you doing 
I'm fine, Jack. Thank you for asking. I uh, hope everybody else is doing well enough uh, tonight. Jack, I do have to ask you this. What offense did you commit to be sentenced to basic cable? Um, it's just, I'm just going through all these changes right now. I'm, I'm living in my parents' old house that they've moved up to their new condo, and I'm kind of cleaning and repairing and getting ready to sell this house. And and I'm freaking out about the fact that for the first time in years, I'm the sole person responsible for all the household expenses. So as I'm going to back, I'm just going to try this. I'm going to like go to basic cable and and minimize it. I pay more money for internet than I do for the TV part, but yeah. uh, um, it's an experiment. I don't know. I may I may back off on it sometime soon. But there's all sorts of TV available on the internet now. Well, many of the shows that I would want to watch on extended cable. Are, are available to me on the internet now. So that's kind of cool. And, you know, uh, no matter what kind of service you got, you still can't get Sky King on the. On the uh, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's right. There aren't you know, any huh? Sky King. Why, why hasn't TV Land picked up Sky King? I, really? I don't know. I've never seen it on anywhere. Uh, now, EAA sells uh, DVDs, CDs, VHS, and, and DVDs of it. Well, that means it's probably available on Netflix. You could uh, get them through Netflix. And, uh, Ooh. Let me go check. Okay. And while you're checking, uh, we'll say hi to James. James Winbrandt is out here today uh, in the virtual hangar. James is an author and aviation journalist, and he's talking to us from his home in the Big Apple, New York City. Hi, hi James. Hey, how are you doing? Good evening to all. Uh, we got on the phone or on the uh, Skype and had a little technical issues, and I didn't get to say it before, so let me say it now. Good evening to all. Yes. How are you doing? So you're, uh, you're still in New York City. You're one of these folks who disappears down or, or escapes to, the, uh, to that, that evil state, Florida. <laughs> yes. I don't know if, you yes. have, if you've had a chance to listen to the podcast over the last I'm sorry, weeks, Jack. But, what, what were you saying about yeah, but see, <laughs> Jeb is tormenting the living daylights out of us here about uh, the weather in Florida compared to mm-hmm. our, our, our places here. So you head down to Florida when? Like after Christmas? After New Year's? Well, it'll probably be after Christmas, but, you know, sometimes I'm really not too sure till a a few days before left to my own devices and inertia. I could be here until March, Uh so I kind of kind of have to force the issue. And it's probably going to be late December, early January, maybe early January. So is it like a particularly cold day that will trigger this migration? Yes, exactly. Yeah, okay. I spent a month in inertia one day. It was really hard to hold on. And I am Jack Hodgson. I am a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. I'm up here in Boston, Massachusetts. So how's everybody? So we, uh, we got to move on here. People don't like it when we talk about the weather, but uh, how's everything? So James, did, it, did you get a lot of snow in... Uh, in New York? And not a lot. We got some flurries, though, today. And a couple of days ago, I woke up to a, an inch or two on the ground. Uh-huh. Yep. Winter, uh, winter weather is here. Yeah. Now, all right. So I'm going to say this. I'm going to regret it. I know I am. But, but Jeb, you are a genius. There's no question about it. Um, because it's, well. it snowed. <laughs> it snowed the last couple of days in your old home of Springfield, Virginia, right? Yes. Yes, it did. Have yes. you had any reports? How much did it snow? Well, I, I did talk to one friend this afternoon. Um, I'm told that really there wasn't that much. It didn't really stick on the street per se. Now, this was in the city and in, in the district as opposed to the suburbs in, in Springfield where I would have been. Um, so typically the city be, being a little bit warmer than the suburbs, uh, not really sure what, what might have gone on in Springfield. But um, typically, typically, and there's always exceptions, but this – this particular weather system came in from the west. Uh, it was probably, uh, you know, the one that um, the, the really hammered Minnesota and Wisconsin uh, over the weekend. 
But um, typically, those systems don't really do a whole lot to the Washington, D.C. area because of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Kind of hits the mountains and takes some steam out of it, and uh-huh. and uh, it goes up to the to the northeast a little bit, uh, and and the, the the heavy stuff anyway. Some some remnants lake effect stuff and everything will will affect Washington. When Washington gets hammered, it's when stuff uh, a big uh, low system, uh, low pressure system works its way up the east coast, the typical nor'easter. Uh, that's yeah, when you go. Yeah, that's when you go buy the the couple of cases of water and make sure your cell phone batteries are charged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, this this kind of you know two three inches I think is max that they should don't, see. Don't and, have to worry about that kind of snow until usually right around Super Bowl weekend. Right, right. I, I I have seen it that the, I've seen those nor'easters though uh, around Thanksgiving up there. It's rare, but I have seen them that early. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Uh, and so, okay, I know you have – how much did it snow in Florida? <laughs> um, it I, I haven't looked outside lately, so I'm, I'm not really sure. But um, today, uh, I think I can say with some great confidence that where I am in Florida, it has not snowed today and will not snow today. Yeah, okay. A little bit Probably of pod- won't tomorrow either, will it? Probably won't tomorrow. A little bit yeah. of podcast housekeeping here uh, for those I, I, those of us who or those of you out there who listen to the podcast listened last week um, and probably we did it again this I, I add the little intro the little disclaimer thing um, in post production so as we speak I don't exactly know what I'm putting in there but I'm pretty sure I'm putting in the same thing I did last week which is. <laughs> <laughs> Which is um, a new, uh, you know, that little disclaimer thing we do at the beginning. The members of the Uncontrolled Air, Air, Airspace Podcast are participating, et cetera, et cetera. Do, do as we say, not as we do. Exactly, kind of exactly. Uh, and uh, um, we've had those over the over the past year and a half. Um, I recorded it for a while, uh, and then I had a friend of mine uh, named Michael Clark was good enough to record it for me, um, who has a really nice voice. And then our friend Steve Tupper had a serious announcer, a professional buddy of his, uh, record a version. So those are the ones that you hear typically these days is my friend Michael and Steve's friend, uh, who I'm ashamed to say I don't know his name. I don't think Steve ever told us his name. But um, out of the blue... Um, a listener sent me uh, a version of that uh, who apparently had done a little bit of radio work and he uh, transcribed the words that we use and recorded a couple versions. And so I wanted to thank uh, Uncontrolled Airspace listener Mike Morgan for sending in mm, the uh, a version of the uh, disclaimer. Very nice. Very and I nice. think it would be cool if a lot of listeners sent us in versions of that disclaimer. So Keep it uh, clean. Keep it so, clean. Well, in fact, it has to be exactly the same words, all right, uh-huh. because yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of a legal thing. All right. So uh, if you want to do this, we'd love to hear your version. uh, And we may or may not use it, but we'd love to hear your version. Uh, Put all of your personality and character into it, but it has to be exactly the same word. Well, when you say it it has to be exact, what about like if you want to add to the end, but you knew that unless you're a makeup whatever is is that permissible sure we'll let them tag things onto the end and we'll see what happens but uh, no promises and also but. they they could do it with whatever whatever kind of rhythmic creativity that's that what i mean uh-huh. add, add your uh-huh. personality and, and, you know, there's there can be you know jet noise in the background there could be uh mm-hmm. um you know some some kind of sound effects the 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 I'm the partial to the syntax the rhythm yep yeah. a gavel <laughs> yeah, you know the uh, um, so, something like that. Let's see how, how and what what do they win? 
They win what? a free subscription <laughs> That's to right. Uncontrolled Airspace. That's right. We won't send them a bill we, we, this wow. month. We actually have to dig into that logo vault that we've got and come up with a coffee cup or something. Yeah. Right. Well, I don't know. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll figure out something. You'll definitely we, get our we, gratitude and bragging rights. And uh, beyond that, uh, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, that's no, a cool idea. Send in. Again, it, it, you know, I mean, we, we it, there is a legal thing there that has to be kind of done properly. But add a lot of personality and character and ideas to it. Maybe we'll play them not as the official disclaimer, but we'll play some of the fun ones during the show and uh, just kind of to, to that, that would show be them fun. off. For that matter, I, while we're brainstorming about these kinds of things, if anybody's an audio guy out there and wants to do a little mashup of clips from past shows, that'd be kind of fun, too. Mm. So, uh, anyways. To get them a mug or a t-shirt or yeah. something. Or you could promise them will, a, a hat if they with, showed up in person to pick it up at Oshkosh. Yeah, and, right. Yeah, and, so, and if they didn't mind, if it's not uh, uncontrolled airspace, uh, Comcap, but, you know, one of the other freebies we get there. Yeah, that's right. We, we'll find you some junk. Uh, anyways, thanks to Mike Morgan, listener Mike Morgan, for, for sending in the one that uh, you heard last week and probably this week. And, uh, and come up with your ideas. You can't use the listener line. You have to like know how to record audio on your computer and actually send us a uh, send us an, uh, an audio file or send us a pointer to an audio file that I can download. But uh, other than that, go for it. Let's see what you come up with. What else? Uh, tonight's tonight's trivia question. What's not not that we have a trivia question? Ever. We apparently do now. What's our what's tonight's uh, trivia question? Who was Gloria Winters? Gloria Winters. All right. Who's the fastest Googler? Yeah, right. Uh, well, we're not going to try and answer it tonight, I don't think, or okay. it's not right away. But uh, well, we can. Uh, I mean, you want to give me a hint here? What brought this to mind? This is this something. Is... It's something we talked about earlier in this episode Let's already. See, who was Gloria Winters? W I N T E R S, right? Correct. Okay. Something we talked about. Uh... Okay. Oh. Uh, James, how you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. Thank couple, you, yeah. A couple episodes ago, we all chimed in on uh, what were our favorite airport restaurants, the pl- places mm-hmm. we like to go out and get uh, the $100 hamburger or whatever food style we prefer. And uh, I was wondering if maybe you wanted to share with us what your favorite airport restaurant or, or a couple of them are. Where, where are the places that you like to fly off to and get food? Well, I have to admit that I'm really not a great $100 hamburger kind of guy. Uh, more sort of like get in, and when I get out, I like to sort of be in a completely different environment. Uh-huh. And uh, I've been in uh, – so like the favorite airport restaurants I have usually are ones that I have encountered at at a distance or when I'm on my way somewhere, not necessarily a place that I would go back to. Although I would say in the New York area, we've got Blairstown, you got Orange County Airport that have great – Airport diners, you know, your classic eggs and grits and simple sandwiches. Well, I don't know about grits all the time, but certainly. You know, they had grits at Far North. Grits are big in New York City. Yeah. Yeah, right. But, uh, you know, you get your classic diner food and you got your airplanes, uh, you know, just dangling like uh, a universe of stars from the ceilings. But the places I like, uh, you know, I think of, for example, down in Fort Pierce, Florida, the the tiki, uh, mm. the tiki hut. I think they call it because it, I associate it with going off somewhere. That's like a, a part where you go to the Bahamas from there because uh, they rent out life vests and life rafts. So a lot of Bahamas people, people Bahama bound. So what's this will, restaurant all about? It's first of all, it is tiki like. It's got the tiki 
fringe and fronds and whatnot. Uh, the menu is a little, maybe a cut above diner, you know, I would say. Uh, nothing pretentious, simple, good. But there is this sort of air of, of a transit point. And you'll hear conversations of people, you know, very excited they're going to be making their first trip over or people that have come back, you know, and they're dropping off their life gear. And they're sort of like feel now that they've, you know, had that initiation of the overwater experience. So that's a great place for, you know, for that reason. And kind of like the bar scene in Star Wars. then. Yeah. Well, not that (laughs) rough and tumble, not that rough and tumble. But, uh, you know, nobody ever gets shot anymore. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Well, you know, if you're looking for that's right, uh, you know, Norman's <laughs> Key that used to be Carlos later, the drug kingpin spot in the Bahamas. There, the restaurant bar is literally like 10 yards from the runway. Uh-huh. The runway goes directly by this uh, cement wall that's about six feet high and you walk right through the the uh the portico there and immediately is the the restaurant of uh mcduff's tavern i think it's called there oh, of cool. the uh of the oh, spot James, you know Italian place we gotta go <laughs> we gotta yeah go. oh it's it's fabulous which and, island and is that that's norman's key that's right key. uh okay. at the north end of the exuma chain okay gotcha and it's also known because there's a uh a crash DC three that didn't quite make it out with a full load in the uh-huh. lagoon uh, off the end of one of the runways. <laughs> Sounds like an attraction at Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> really, really. That's something well, I know, want to try to do this winter, though. Is is get uh, to the Bahamas? Yeah, make a hop over there. Have you ever done that? Yeah. I, I have not. Dave's talked about it, and James, you've apparently done it. Oh, many, many times. The Bahamas are, are great, uh, you know. And I mean, the thing is. Bimini is 60 miles off uh, the coast. Right. That in itself is worth going to. It has some of the most beautiful beach and uh, water, although it's all just – you just can't believe how clear the water is. So I highly recommend it. So you're, uh, you're over water for like a half an hour. At most. Yeah. 60 miles, half an hour. So James, you know, James, James was on the same uh, Cayman caravan that Annie and I did in our that, command. Yeah, back oh, really? Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. You're over water a lot longer than 60 miles on that trip. Oh, yeah. And then well, James went to, uh, if I remember right, you went over to the Yucatan. Yeah, I've been down to the Yucatan across from uh, Florida a few times. I've been actually from like Palm Beach to uh, Puerto Rico nonstop. And you go over several hundred nautical miles of open water there. And, you know, you just, I mean, what can you say? You, you know, uh, well, either you, don't go or, or go. Yeah. I mean, yeah. how, how intimidating is that at first? I mean, what, what, what was that like the first time? <laughs> well, the first time, you know, again, it's on like little hops you do to the Bahamas and, you know, you climb up high, you get as much altitude as you can, it's, it's you know, safe altitudes and, tr- you know, try to make sure you have as many options. You, of course, survival gear, uh, you know, life raft is, isn't required, but I would never think about going over water without a life raft. Uh-huh. Uh, Check all your provisions. Make sure you have vests. Some people, you know, even will put vests on to, in the plane because they don't want to have to futz with it 
if they're going to have to ditch, I, I don't do that. I find that sort of a, you know, an encumbrance. And and at the right altitude, I mean, you would have a long time. You would have a number of minutes mm-hmm. uh, at the right glide speed before you would make contact with the water. Uh, so you know, and then you just kind of have to have faith in the airplane. I, I you you go on days when the weather would be good, uh, you know, and. Uh, don't get into something you're not prepared for. Certainly with GPS now, that has taken so much of the guesswork out. It used to be hard sometimes to find these islands. Uh-huh. Now, you are, know, you in, are you in radio contact with like some sort of air traffic yes. control the whole way? Yes. No. You're, you know what altitude you – what's that? No. Dave not, says no. Well, I was going to say it depends on where you're going. If you're going to the Bahamas, yeah. Uh, if you're going to Bermuda, no. If right, you're going right. to the Caymans, no. Uh, I – I was out a little while, say, between, uh, you know, Puerto Rico somewhere and the Turks and Caicos area somewhere. Uh, I was out of complete. But you can talk to airlines. I mean, often if you're down in Central America, you're over land, but you can't raise any. It's much harder there communicating. So you will rely on talking to airliners. uh, And even though they're speaking Spanish, on the radio, they can all speak English, of course, being the international language of aviation, so they can uh, transmit uh, position reports. So, you know, be ready to communicate, and uh, and you wish that there was more assistance. You know, they have these rheostats, as uh, you know, that came up a few episodes ago, the ones that, like, cross city, there's one in Key West. Aer- aerostats. 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 Aerostats is something else. Aerostats. Yes, the dimmer dimmer switch. And there is one in Georgetown in the Exumas. And the one certainly in Georgetown is pretty much used exclusively for drug interdiction, drug detection. And I think that is ridiculous that all this money and that technology, they can't spare any of it to help pilots out who need that sort of assistance, who are using the airwaves, who are paying the taxes. I went to that facility once when I was in Georgetown once with my friend Bill Burns, went up to the gate, buzz the buzzer, hi, we're U.S. citizens, you know, can we come and see the facility? If you're not FBI, CEA, CIA, or DEA, get out of here. And as an American who funds that and who would like to use some of that technology and see something used, I resent that cowboy type stuff. And I think that more does need to be done to help people communicate and stay in touch and navigate in that area. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Uh, so. Yeah. So um, that's pretty. Any any other airports? I, we sort of drifted. Well, oh, I bet, you know, I did want to just yeah. kind of say a thing that I, you know, I've always been disappointed that there aren't more mainstream uh, airport restaurants in this neck of the woods, up in Wallkill, uh, which is a little bit up the Hudson Valley. When I first started flying for years, you know, I'd hear about this place that would go in business and then go out of business, and they were always trying to do upscale dining and that to me the failure of them like sort of repeatedly just sort of you know epitomized this sort of disconnect between general aviation and the general public that i've often felt is is unfortunate and you know it always seems to me i'm just always surprised at a a place you know a restaurant an airport that there wouldn't be more families and dad come on gang let's go and sit and watch the airport you know watch the airplanes and we had 
a 54th bomber group actually at Caldwell Airport where I'm based out of here in New York and you know and I've been in there several times not a lot cuz you know I'm coming and going to you know the airport and to get home uh and I went there last time you know to the airport and I looked over there there was a concrete slab the building wasn't just closed it was gone <laughs> well <laughs> and I'm like, what? It's a pretty serious health code violation. I don't know. <laughs> so, you know, must I have been a student that, pilot trying to land. Yeah, you know, right, there yeah. been so many. It, the one in Dave's neck of the woods that he's always talking about. You know, I had great Mexican food there. There's so many. I just wish they were magnets for more of the general public because they have well, so much to offer. And, and James raises a good point. Um, you know, what we didn't talk about was all of the airport restaurants that have, have kind of risen and then gone bust. Um, at, at Manassas, Virginia, where I used to be based, um, one of the FBOs, the, F, the, F, the big FBO building on the east ramp, uh, the second floor has, has been for years, uh, well, basically since the FBO building was built, set up as a restaurant, or at least part of the second floor. Yep. And it's got, you know, nice big windows that look out on the ramp and look out on the runways, and you can see, you know, uh, across the other side of the airport. It's it's a great little vantage point. Um, I've gone up there and had sandwiches before and, and uh, you know, had a, had a pretty good time. But um, it, no one else, I mean, they don't do enough business to stay open. Yeah. Mm. And the, the restaurant keeps changing hands about, you know, every nine months to 18 months or something like mm -hmm. that. It goes out of business and then someone, you know, buys it out and tries to make a go of it again and, and the cycle repeats. I think part right. of this, though. The difference it, between the successful ones and the ones that come and go really is their ability to attract business from off the airport. Right? Oh, it, absolutely it is. You know, I mean, it, I, I think a big part of this... It's not enough to draw people in, not to come and eat lunch because they can eat, see airplanes there, because so many of those people won't care that they can see airplanes there, although it'll be cool when they do. Uh, it's, you know, if, if the food's good enough to go out of their way to go to someplace like that, and, and uh, I always marvel at, you know, some of these places that I've, I've encountered where the f quality of the food was just off the scale. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But because of where they were on the airport and where the airport was, there was really no population within easy driving distance. Right. And uh, so it really had to depend on the airport. And, you know, some airports have got enough day-to-day -day population to let a mom-and-pop place scratch by. Yeah. Part of this There's is not, not an airport restaurant problem. Part of this is just a restaurant. I mean, restaurants are notorious sure. for being, sure. you know, the, the, the riskiest new business that there is. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. you know, so it's, to, to a certain extent, these are going to come right, and go right, just because right, restaurants right below, come and go. You know? Right below podcasts. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 58 and counting, man. <laughs> All right. right along. Yeah. So. Well, thanks, James. That's interesting. Uh, once again, we invite our listeners to send in their uh, uh, their uh, reports on uh, great airport restaurants, and uh, we'd love to hear about them. We'll share them uh, as they come in. We haven't read uh, any listener mail in quite some time. It, it continues to come in. We get we get a few things every every week, and it's uh, really cool to hear from people. Um, a lot of times we don't read them because they're just kind of. We, 
don't get me wrong, I love tooting my own horn, all right? But, you know, a lot of them are just just very nice, kind comments from people who are saying they enjoy the podcast, and that's great. We love to hear that. Um, and, well, and how many times can we read notes from our mothers? That's right, yeah. Right. So, uh, but uh, but we do get mail on a regular basis, and uh, I went back through the archive uh, over of the last, uh, you know, few weeks or so and uh, pulled out a couple here that I thought were interesting. Um, so I've got two here. The first is from uh, Tom from Illinois. And Tom writes, uh, and this is a, he, I'm actually kind of going to summarize, or not summarize, but just quote a couple clips from his from his piece. He says, he says, Jack, Dave, Jeb, and all the UCAP gang. My name is Tom, and I'm a newly minted private pilot flying out of. All right, congratulations! Yeah. Absolutely, great. Oh, big- flying out of Waukegan Regional Airport in Illinois. Apparently, the ID is UGN. He says, I've been listening to the, your podcast from the very beginning, and I want to thank you for helping me see my goal through to achievement. Great. He then goes on Great. to say, uh, he says, throughout my training, I have kept a blog about my training. It's at uh, wingingit.blogspot.com. That's winging dash or winging hyphen it.blogspot.com. He says, I started it as a way to record my experiences, and I hoped to encourage others to pursue their own dream. And he finally closes by saying, thank you for all you do and keep up the great work. Tom from Illinois. Congratulations, Tom. That's terrific. And uh, Way to very, go, man. Very, 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 I, I've been peeking one. in on your blog from time to time, and he tells some interesting stories. A lot of it, of course, goes back throughout his training, if you read back through his archives. Uh, and then he's been also blogging a little bit about uh, what his uh, activities have been since he got his private. So that's terrific. Excellent. Very cool. Absolutely. So let's see. So that's one. And then where'd the other one go? It's right... Uh, here this one's cool um this before i read so jeb you were telling us a story a while back offline about um Uh, how you you were talking to somebody who you were doing business with who was in europe or scandinavia or something and uh and uh and he suddenly said you're you're jeb from uncontrolled what was the story how did that go I, i um um there's a website called airliners.net. Yeah. And uh, there is a, a lot of very, very good photography on that website. And being in the magazine publishing editing business, um, I will occasionally go poke around there to see if I can find some art to help illustrate a story. Then, you know, if I find something I like, I will write the, uh, the, the shooter and negotiate terms to use the the photograph use the image <clears throat> well it's been about a month or so ago now and i and i i wish you'd have reminded me of this because I'd, I'd find the gentleman's name and uh um give him a little shout out and i should have done that some time ago uh, i apologize for not warning you yeah. maybe, maybe you'll that's okay no no no, no. Go ahead. But, but 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 the punchline is i email this guy and he is in finland i believe if I recall, he's in Finland. Yeah. And, you know, I signed my name and, you know, who I am and what I'm doing and why I, oh, I want to do this. And I'm doing it as the editor of Aviation Safety Magazine. And he writes me back and says, Jeb from Uncontrolled Airspace, uh, the podcast. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, wow. Yeah. And, uh, he's like, yeah, but, you know, we, we negotiated, you know, the terms to use the, the image. And, and uh, it was it was very, uh, very gratifying, very uh, surprising, very shocking. Uh, and 
all He's the above. Stroke he let you use the yeah. picture anyway. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, I, I don't I don't remember <laughs> if he let us use the image anyway or not, but um, uh, we were very grateful either way. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. And uh, it was it was great to to know that we've we've uh, penetrated the, the the Finnish market. As well, it were. and that's been one of the you know I mean one of the many thrills of 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 coming in contact with listeners is uh, is that you know I mean for example there's like uh, you know the new pilots who have been listening to the podcast and then the people from around the world it's just kind of remarkable anyways we got one piece of email this past week or the past couple of weeks from uh, brian from the netherlands and brian writes hi jack jeb and dave i'm sure he was thinking about you too james uh he said uh, (laughs) he said as an american citizen but a netherlands resident and an active faa private pilot i feel i have to respond to your recent uh, show number 56 observations on the costs of flying abroad he writes, consider this, a C-172 here in the Netherlands rents for euro $172 an hour wet. That's $252 an hour at U.S. at today's rates. He said, plus landing costs of $25 per. He said, to put, put that in perspective, if I want to rent for more than, say, three hours, it's cheaper to, for me to hop on a KLM flight to sunny Florida and rent a Cessna there. Wow. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we better not complain too much in the U.S. here because we've got it mm-hmm. real good. Um, oh, no, we know we are We know we know are the cheapest state on the planet. Yeah. And, and, you know, what, what we carp about is anything that threatens to make it less than the cheapest date on the planet. Yeah. Without, without good reason. Yeah. Yes, without just cause. Brian finishes up by saying, love the show, keep up the good work, greetings from the Netherlands. That's Brian. Uh, hey Brian. So, so uh, thanks, Brian. That's great. Thanks for that information. So, I, do you guys know anything more about the economics of flying over there? Is it just that gas is more expensive, point, or what is it? Oh no, 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 no! It's not just gas. What, what, what uh, goes into that 172 euro for uh, for a 172? Well, a lot of it is gas. A lot of it is just, you know, everything is just more expensive. You know, I, you said it was 172 euros. Well, okay. Um, Let's say the same airplane here in the states, and I don't know what how old that particular Skyhawk might be, um, but let's say the same. Let's say it's a newer one seventy two S or something like that. Um, the same airplane here in the states might go for a hundred, hundred and a quarter. Yeah. Okay, so you're right. So that, that makes it double, which is still pretty significant. But yeah, well, I, I, I well, wouldn't be surprised. Differ- there's two big differences. Uh, we'll I mean, get back to you, James. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, sure. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dave. Uh, Sixteen to eighteen dollars a gallon for Avgas mm-hmm. is one, and that cost of Avgas does not include the uh, dues for using the system. Right, your right. control. That, right. That's that's tacked on on top of it, and as the gentleman said, you know, twenty five dollar per landing. For landing fees, and if you're going to fly cross country, you got air traffic fees. If you're going to file IFR, which you pretty much have to do, uh, you got fees to go on top of that. Uh, it's like we talked about in a prior episode. That's why before TSA and DHS went crazy on what it takes for a student to get into the United States, sixty odd percent of the students we trained here in this country were from overseas, from Europe and Asia, because this was the place where you could afford to learn to fly. Mm-hmm. And even 
people who weren't uh, looking to make a living as, a, as, as an aviator or, uh, uh, you know, fly charter or airline or be a CFI back home in Europe, they could come to the United States for a month or six weeks on vacation, mm-hmm. pay their airfare, uh, an inexpensive place to stay for the time they were here, eat frugally, and go home with at least their private pilot's license from scratch. And after spending all that money, airfare, accommodations, meals, flight training, it was still less expensive than getting the same level of training back home in Europe or in England. Right, right. James, you were going to say? Uh, well, a number of things. Uh, you know, right down at St. Augustine, there's people that, for, that come from a lot of uh, Europeans come to either train or to come and hang out and fly for a little while. I'm sure, Jeb, down where you are, you're going to be seeing them, too. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, there's, there, there's a lot of, of non-English accents, non-Florida accents, non-Southern accents on the frequencies down here. Um, and while, while, I, while I got the floor just for a second, really quickly, for all I know, Brian from the Netherlands could, in fact, be the gentleman whose image I asked about and who emailed me back. There's a faint bell going off. And and if Brian is that individual, um, I I sincerely and publicly apologize for for not having who he is and where he's from and all that in my head when the the subject came up. I'm uh, sure it's in there someplace. It's just misfiled. it's just misfiled. That's James, you were saying. It's just misfiled. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, uh, and also with the dollar as it's been, I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot more of them. And God yeah. knows our aviation businesses need it. So come on over. And yeah. as to why it's also more expensive there, I, I'm wondering. It's a small. I would think real estate is more expensive there. And you need a certain amount of space to have an FBO and a place to maintain aircraft, and, and they might be dealing at the most basic level with higher operating costs. Well, uh, the maintenance and operating costs generally, I think, are probably another very good bet. Maintenance, yeah. just just the labor cost of maintaining the airplane. Mm-hmm. Um, I was having a, and we can, well, there's kind of a segue into something else we wanted to talk about tonight. Um, talking with my IA uh, earlier this week. Um, about some various projects and that he's working on, I'm working on, et cetera. And um, he was bemoaning, you know, so I had a guy call me, uh, wanted to do, want me to do this project, that project, whatever the aircraft was, and, you know, only wanted to pay me like 20 bucks an hour to do the work. And I'm like, yeah, that's not enough money. But what I'm getting at here when I talk about that is, there's a lot of aircraft owners out there, and yeah, sure, I'd be happy to get you know get somebody to do quality work on my airplane for twenty bucks an hour, and that's not what I pay my buddy slash IA to do work on my bird. Um, I pay him a lot more than that, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you get what you pay for, and you know you got you got people working on airplanes who. Pilots are trying to pressure into twenty bucks an hour, twenty-five bucks an hour, forty bucks an hour, whatever. But you take your Mercedes, Lexus, BMW, whatever, down to the shop to get it worked on, even if it's an independent shop and not a factory shop, and they're, you're paying upwards of a hundred, hundred and a quarter an hour for them to work on your car. Oh yeah, sixty five seventy five bucks an hour to go into an yeah. auto shop is, is, yeah. is just scraping the bottom these days. Right, mm-hmm. it, it, it does amaze me. 
it's it's and it's almost criminal the way you know, a lot of us aircraft owners you know look at uh, airplane mechanics. Um, mm-hmm. They've got their, they've got all this training, all this certification required by the FAA. Every time they put a signature in a logbook, um, their their career's on the line. Yep. Um, it, not only their career, but their financial future. Um, and and it's just it's just asinine, uh, for lack of a better word, that so many aircraft owners are trying to pressure, trying to put so much pressure on mechanics. And uh, I think we'd all be a lot better off if we just kind of woke up a little bit and try to, you know, relate airplane maintenance expenses and, and specifically the labor costs involved to automobile expenses. And, and maybe we'd be a little bit more uh, um, uh, open with our pocketbook and our wallet. Yeah. This isn't going to lead to a subject of my annual, will it? <laughs> that's that's kind of what I was going to get at. Well, it's interesting. Oh, let, me first, let me just kind of close that's... this thing on the mail and say thanks to Brian from the Netherlands for his info uh, on uh, on uh, the expense of flying over there. And congratulations again to Tom from Illinois on his new ticket. And uh, send us more email. We'd love to see it. And, uh, and uh, some of it will... Uh, We'll share on the podcast. So uh, we were going to talk about this later, but what the heck? Let's talk about your annual. Hey, so, hey Jeb, it's one thing to open your pocketbook. Well, I know, I know, and, and that's, but but also, you know, no. and, and, and not to, uh, uh, you know, not to um, undercut anything, you know, that you've experienced or anything like that. But it also kind of gets into managing um, the expenses involved in owning and operating an airplane. Look, you're absolutely right. Uh, mechanics are professionals, and you know pilots are are t- way too often among the cheapest of all recreationists. Uh-huh. You know, if it ain't gas, I'm not buying it. Yeah, and and you know that just it, that doesn't cut it. We you know we, you're I think you're absolutely right. And uh, and my you know my annual it's just a story of with no real moral story or anything it's just hey you know you get sometimes you get whacked and you might have to you know because it costs money to fly and And just to summarize here for and regular listeners probably remember we've been telling the story off and on over the the summer (laughs) that uh, james uh, uh, at oshkosh james told us that he was going to drop his he was going to actually make a quick visit to his uh, mooney mechanic in in minnesota and uh, have his annual done overnight, and then and then fly on. And uh, well, that was a mistake because it discovered that he <laughs> had a lot of things that needed to get done on his airplane, and he ended up taking the airlines back to New York, and then went back a while later. And and uh, what you discover? I won't t- try and summarize the whole story. The upshot is, it turned out to be more of a thing. They found some things that needed to be repaired, and. Uh, um, and it then, was, and then it, the last it was report, cardiovascular surgery. That's and, right. You know, and then the last cardio. part that kind of amazed me was: so you finally the work was completed. You got your airplane back, but they didn't require you to pay the bill right away for whatever reason, and uh, they weren't even sure what the bill was going to be. Which kind of yet again a weird comparison to getting your car repaired. Um, but apparently, you finally got the bill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, well, let you me want to share the bad news with us, or I mean, uh, uh, maybe it's personal. But uh, what's the? I'll back up here. For I, I know I was not expecting to be done overnight. I thought I'd be there a few days, though. Okay. You know, because that's that's what it takes. Uh, you know, it's a, an annual on that aircraft take takes some time, and I guess a base rate if everything, and it depends on where you take it. If everything was perfect. You could probably get an annual done in some places, maybe for under two thousand dollars with that airplane. 
I, you know, I, and I, you don't certainly kind of uh, budget yourself based on uh, it being perfect because, you know, who or what is perfect. So they're always going to find things. Uh, When I got there, though, they immediately, after pulling the cowl, noted that there was, uh, among other things, uh, some corrosion on the engine mount. And that meant they would have to remove the engine, send out the mount, et cetera, et cetera. And they found some other things with, uh, you know, the exhaust system they were concerned about uh, and, you know, a number of other things and some kind of expensive items that really caught me by surprise as this was sort of presented to me. And, I, you know, your mind is sort of going. And then we took a a walk through the place and... uh, uh, it's Wilmer Air Service, and they do excellent work. They've been uh, authorized Mooney. It's a second-generation company, uh, first rate. And, and mentioning uh, them like have probably just knocked your price down 10 or, you know, 10. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Well, yeah, yeah. right. Well, we, we should all be so lucky. Um, yeah. But at any rate, so we're walking through the hangar, uh, an adjoining hangar, and uh, Bruce Yeager, the proprietor, says, look, you think you got a bed? See this plane? There's an F model there that had been brought in for wing uh, some uh, tank jobs because older Moonies are prone to have uh, some leaks in the tanks. And they discovered wing corrosion. He said, "You're this person's looking at, you know, a $20,000 repair. And, you know, my job, you know, obviously that plane, that older model is not worth what a newer one would be but you know just the sum of it sort of you know made my jaw drop so so i was uh you know i'm thinking worst case scenario you know where am i going to be with this i knew it was obviously going to be more than i thought but not as much as it turned out to be so (laughs) yeah so it came out to be just under 22 aviation maintenance units ouch and, and an yeah. aviation maintenance unit is basically what a thousand dollars? Correct. Oh, yep. Man, man I feel surprised I got. Worst surprise I ever got out of the old Comanche was a was a six AMU build mm-hmm. when when the year before it had been sixteen hundred. Right. You know, every, every time we talk about this subject, uh, by the way, you notice we all got really quiet. <laughs> um, well, but we're feeling James's pain. That's right. I, I that's appreciate right. that. And, you know, I'm, as I said in an earlier issue, what are you going to do? This is uh, a part of my life. It has added so much to my life. Uh, you know, when I think of the best decisions I ever made in my life, certainly I would say the t- among the top, you know, five would have to be learning to fly, buying my first plane, buying my second plane, not necessarily in that order. So uh, it's been such an addition, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know, however they got shuffled out, uh, uh, you know, you just uh, kind of have to suck it up and uh, say, I'm, you know, I'm going to find a way to get the job done. And, you know, so I'm just going to have to pimp myself out a little more effectively, yeah. <laughs> you know, generate some more right cash. Hard, right faster, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. More, you know. <laughs> Every so. time we've talked about this subject, because we talked about your annual, we talked about uh, Randy's annual. Um, I forget we may have talked about some of the. I mean, we talked about Jeb's a little bit, um, and then and I think about it after the fact. We've also over the over the months tried to talk about 
how flying isn't all that expensive too. And uh, I don't know how to how to kind of you know kind of put these two together. That uh, I mean, like it's saying no real moral to this is the, this is the facts of life, gang. This is uh, well, you know, I've had I've had planes now. I bought my first Mooney in nineteen ninety. So now we're talking. I've had uh, you know airplanes now going on close to a score of years. Uh, one year I had. I might have had one that went into the double digits. For the most part, they have been closer to that figure I quoted uh, earlier about if everything is right. Uh, may, you know, if this is, happens every 20 years, maybe I, you know, it's not like it happens all the time. Yeah. Well, and for, for the record here, you know, when we talk about being able to fly inexpensively and, and, and it being less expensive than people think to fly, uh, there's a break point where that equation starts to change. And, you know, the equipment that that I've owned and Jeb owns and, and, and uh, James owns is moving a little bit beyond that, hey, you know, you can really fly cheap and simple mm-hmm. and, and enjoy it level into the more utilitarian mode of serious transportation. And as an old buddy of mine at the old beach aircraft told me once, he said, flying's cheap. Flying fast costs money. <laughs> yeah. You can and, have it. You can have it. You know, what, what, what's the old saying? You can have it quick, cheap, or good. Uh, <laughs> but not all can't, right. You Pick can't two. have all three. You yeah. can have two without the Pick three. Two. Pick, yeah, exactly. Pick two right. of the three. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Pick his point out. was, my buddy's point was that, you know, Motoring around in ultralights, which is, you know, hang gliders and ultralights are where I came from, uh, Mm -hmm. really is dirt cheap. Uh, Moving into flying some of the older airplanes that I talked about before, the ones that uh, we found in Trader Plane that you could get for high teens to low 40s. Anywhere from really nice for enjoying to a little bit utilitarian to... You could do some good cross-country flying in it, but, you know, you're not going to carry a family of six and 300 pounds of luggage. Uh, all of those in, in, in the high teens to 40 range, uh, in none of those instances were we looking at anything that went much faster than 150 miles an hour. You start breaking 180 miles an hour and the price goes up. You get to 180 miles an hour and the price of membership goes up. You mm-hmm. start flying well into the 200, 210, 215, 220 miles an hour, the price goes up. Uh, you want to fly 300 miles an hour, uh, that's a really steep price yeah, increase. It really is. Yeah. It's, it's all doable, and you know, God all knows we've all got money. friends that do it. Uh, and but Dave flying, makes a very good point. He really does. And, and uh, Ooh, uh, We'll record that. Well, I'll clip that out and use it in the... Uh, oh, man. <laughs> Um, but um, no, it, it, Dave's right on target. I mean, I'm talking about Randy's airplane, for example, uh, a Cessna 172, and and um, I forget the issue. It was basically they had to send the engine out for overhaul or something well, like that. Well, they had crack in the case. And, yeah, that's and right. That's right. It, it, it well, was that's, a TBO, and it, it yeah. beyond TBO, and it had a crack in the case, uh-huh. which jacked things around. They couldn't weld it. And, yeah. And, and, you know, those are things that you budget for. And the Cessna 172 is about as simple as they can get. Yeah. Um, 
And you, you know you're not you're doing what 100 130 miles an hour 130 miles an hour yeah, yeah in a, in a Skyhawk and you get what you pay for uh, you know there there's a lot of options uh, in in Randy's situation for for repair he took the option of you know sending the engine out and getting it reworked and and coming back and and knowing what he has he could have gotten a mid time engine. From somewhere, he could have gone to the factory and gotten a brand new engine. Uh, he could have found some cases somewhere and had his had his mechanic rebuild, you know, that that engine using the new cases. There's a lot of different options. Yeah, um, and you know, as, as you know, the, there used to be a uh, a clothing store in Washington the, that was I don't know what their marketing gig was, but their tagline was, "An educated consumer is our best customer." Sims, Sims. That's very good. Thank you, James. And um, that's just as true, or perhaps even more so, in aviation. Um, you need to be educated and know what you're doing, and, and know what the options are. Yeah. Well, there, there's another couple of points about this. My first plane was uh, that I bought in 1990 was a 1965 E model Mooney, much simpler uh-huh. than uh-huh. my current plane, but yet. Initially, it was much more expensive to maintain, and I'm not talking about percentage, right? I'm talking about in real money. It was older, and yeah. when I went to annual, there would be these issues, even though there wasn't that much stuff on it. There was issues, and well, yeah, another thing, to, another thing to keep in mind too is the annual inspection is a requirement by the FAA. Uh, it is an inspection. And there are certain things that you know have to you know pass muster. There are other things that um, are 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 um, subject to judgment, right? Su- yeah. Subject to interpretation. Um, let's say uh, you know you got a tire that's that's uh, you know scalped or you know I don't want to say scalped, but uh, 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 wearing unevenly. And you look at it and you say, well, but needs real gain badly. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's got plenty of tread on on you know most of the tires got plenty of tread you know it's wearing a little unevenly. Uh, why don't we just switch sides, switch the left tire to the right side of the of the main gear and the right tire to the left side, and maybe that will you know get us some longer life out of these tires rather than having to go out and buy two new tires, and there and little go. little things like that 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 uh, owners can do to to help control costs while not materially affecting the safety of the airplane. Um, there you go. So, And we, we stand by what we maintained and, huh. and, have, and yeah. have preached since the beginning, is that flying doesn't have to be the expense that people commonly think it is, uh, that you can get in and, and, and start to participate and enjoy and benefit from for a lot less money than uh, – some of the new uh, SUVs that I see coming out totally as 2008 tough. models. Big time. Mm. Yeah, that's what I like to tell people is that uh, flying is is has an expense to it, but it's it, it compares. You know, there are people who own boats that are yeah. incredibly expensive. Absolutely. You know? And uh, I mean, I haven't actually done the done run the numbers, but my guess would be that it can be very comparable. If you're really into owning your powerboat or your big sailboat or whatnot, um, it can be pretty expensive proposition too. Um, but uh, anyways, well, it, admittedly, one more in general aviation. If you want an airplane big enough to live in. 
You're yeah. really going to need some serious money. There you go. Yeah. James, one final thought on this, and we'll move on. Yes, uh, for anyone keeping score of the bill, uh, about half of it was in parts. A quarter was in labor from the FBO facility there, the repair station, and about one quarter was from outside work. Okay. Wow. Well, uh, well, at the at the end of the podcast, uh, James, I'll invite you to plug one of your books so we can uh, <laughs> help you uh, sell some books and, and try and help pay this. Everybody bill. here is going to write a check. <laughs> That's right. No, he's got a lot of great books that we can buy that are really great, yeah, and uh, and they'll help him pay for his uh, pay for his Mooney bill. Anyways, moving on. Let's see. So. Uh, uh, Jeb, I think you posted this uh, a follow-up. I hadn't seen this news. that We reported, I think it was last week, that uh, Senator Lott had announced that he was going to be leaving the Senate, uh, and he's a key figure in aviation legislation. Oh, Trent, where far art thou? Trent? And uh, apparently the, uh, the uh, proposed or, or the replacement has been named. What, what's the story there, Jeb? Yeah, um, this comes from a report um, uh, from The Hill newspaper. The Hill is a... Uh, on a newspaper that covers Capitol Hill, hence the name. Uh, and uh, there's an article uh, from earlier this week uh, which um, mentions that Senator Kay Bailey Hutchison of Texas, Republican from Texas, uh, is the uh, um, person likely to uh, be su- likely to succeed Lot as the senior Republican on the Senate Aviation Subcommittee. Um, nothing. It's not a. It's not earth shaking. Senator Hutchison was a for, is a former chairperson of the Senate Aviation Subcommittee. I forget the time frame uh, involved. Um, I think but, up until uh, two thousand and six. But I, 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 no. I'm no? not. Sh- I'm not sure about that. I want to say the '90s, actually, but um, okay. um, I, I just don't recall offhand. Uh, but she's she's she knows the territory. She's she's been around the, that that track a couple of times. Um, it's it's a this this particular article. Uh, the headline is "Lot Leaving Senate: A Potential Blow to Airlines." Um, the um, uh, upshot of that is. Um, Lot had been, I'm going to use the phrase, carrying some water, unquote, quote, unquote, for the airlines uh, in this FAA reauthorization debate. Was he one of the two senators that drew a line in the sand a while back? Yep. Yep, he was. Uh He was indeed. Uh, His, quote, his influence and leadership will be sorely missed, unquote, said James May, president and chief executive officer of the Air Transport Association, a lobbying group for commercial airlines. Our good friend. Uh, Our good friend, Jim May. (laughs) At, At the same time, the story goes on, May said the impact on the funding fight remains to be seen. Well, that's... Uh, that's what you say in Washington when you're about to get your butt beat. Uh, uh, but, uh, but uh, uh, Sen- Senator Hutchinson has been uh, has been uh, has voted on the opposite side of the issue from uh, Senator Lott on well, this particular Well, she is she is not nearly as beholden. Uh, let me let me let me think how, how I should say this. Uh, Hutchison is not uh, as strong a supporter of the airlines uh, as uh, Senator Lott is uh, has been. Um, but she's um, she's not a, a strong stalwart for general aviation either. Um, so 
the uh, the uh, the industries, both industries for that matter, have their work cut out for them. The general aviation industry, uh, as well as the airline industry, uh, in trying to figure out where this takes us all. The upshot of all of this is that a um, lot uh, for calendar associated reasons likely will remain. Um, at least through the current session of Congress, in his slot as uh, ranking uh, a member of the um, Senate Aviation Subcommittee. Well, that, that, that means through the end of the month. It means through the end of the month, right. Yeah. But now, if there is an FAA bill this year, which ain't happening. It probably ain't going to happen unless it gets folded into the CR, um, he, he will have some influence. The, I think the likelier scenario, as I think Dave alludes to, though, is that uh, there will not be, quote-unquote, an FAA bill this year. Uh, they'll revisit it again in the, in the late winter, early spring. Mm-hmm. And Senator Kay will be in Senator Lott's seat. Exactly. And Senator Lott will be talking to the Air Transport Association about <laughs> the Oh, and Dave. If, You're such and, a- if Senator, and if Senator Rockefeller has a brain, he'll, uh, he'll back down from his... Uh, Line in the sand position. Yeah. Okay. Well, Lot has to wait a year before he can become a lobbyist, and by then no, this no, no, fight no, no, should no. be over. No, 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 no. Yeah, he has well. to wait a year before he lobbies Congress. Right. That doesn't mean he can't exactly. be keeping office hours and advising his his staff on how uh-huh. to lobby Congress. And he can lobby January one. And he can lobby other agencies uh, of the federal government starting whenever he walks out the door. Plus, the the reason he's leaving by the end of the year is that on January one the rules change and he would have change, to wait right. two years right to, right. to lobby the uh, Congress. So, but I mean, how much does uh, it, isn't this sort of? I mean, uh, you know, it's really uphill. Is that how he wants to sort of carry get into the game by carrying water for what could be a doomed effort? Are they going to pay him that much for something that's not going to go on for all that well, long? I, I, was I, just, I, I was I was just being frivolous. I, I don't. I don't, I don't think Lot is going to make. Yeah, I don't think Lot is going to make much, if any, money from the airline industry in his future endeavors. Yeah. No. Mm. Okay, moving no. on here. So uh, it's gonna it's gonna be working someplace on K Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else here? So you know, and this next one I wanted to put in. I wanted to to touch on tonight, especially since uh, uh, James is with us. Uh, but I think Jeb, you posted this. Uh, you discovered this story about save the small airports. Uh, a, a, yeah. Fr- yeah, from the New York Times, but it's not a New York story, right? Well, it was in the New York Times. Uh, let me open it real quickly. I didn't see. I never saw it. Apparently, there, it's talking about New, New Jersey, Jersey and how the New state Jersey. of New Jersey is kind of getting better uh-huh. about small airports. Go ahead, Jeff. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, it, it's the, the headline on this, and this is dated, I guess, Sunday's New York Times. I didn't see it in Sunday. I came across it later in the week. Huh. Uh, new, new, the headline is, New Rallying Cry, Save the Small Airports. And I'll just read the lead graph here. Uh, not long ago, many of New Jersey's small airports were endangered because of opposition from local communities and pressure from developers interested in converting the land to more profitable uses, like condos or shopping malls. These general aviation airports, which catered to private pilots, flight schools, and other non-airline operations, were closing at the rate of one a year, following, falling to 43 today from a high of around 100 after World War II. And the story goes on to note that, you know, the state is finally coming to the policy position right. that this is not a good thing, that 
they need they need these smaller general aviation airports. They need to retain them. They perhaps even need to expand them and build new ones to help draw off uh, congestion from the larger airline airports in uh, in uh, New Jersey. Newark comes to mind as an example. Mm-hmm. But also, as a as as the industry's been saying ever since I can remember, loudly and clearly, as a local investment, community gateways, mm-hmm. community gateways, trying to attract business and trying to enable, uh, facilitate transportation to and from those communities. And here is the state of New Jersey at the policy level, anyway. Basically embracing that very that very concept. So, uh, knock me over with a feather, and uh, I thought this was something that uh, our listeners might want to so hear. So, what's about. the effect of yeah. this new policy? You know, attitude. Uh, have they actually started some programs to support small airports, or is this just sort of now kind of? You know, well, uh, a lot of it is, a lot of it is kind of you know closing the barn door after the horses have strolled out. Uh-huh, um, yeah. For example, Bader Field at uh, at uh, mm-hmm. Atlantic City is closed in recent years, and I've been in and out of there. And and uh, I guess Dave and um, uh, uh, James, I'm sure you have also. Sure, many yeah. times. Um, James, do you fly out of New Jersey or New York? New Jersey, Caldwell, New Jersey. Caldwell, New Jersey. What's yeah. the state of that airport? Is it in? in- uh, it's in fine shape. Uh, there's never been a problem in terms of community pressure. It's a, a large facility. It's pretty vibrant, uh, used by both piston and some turbine aircraft as well, and uh, and a couple of FBOs, a couple of repair stations. So it's uh, it's in good shape. It's yeah. not going anywhere. Well, that's good. C- congratulations. To, you know, uh, applaud applause to New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, yep. yeah, New, New Jersey. Yeah, props uh, to Jersey. M- more states could take a lesson from this, and uh, here, here. Um, we'll see what happens. Well, Kansas so- went so far to get into this a few years ago that they started a uh, uh, a small airports grant program that embraced privately owned public use airports. Mm-hmm. So you can that's great. be a private airport owner here that if it's public use and you can demonstrate need and uh, uh, enough uh, uh, use then you can get uh, you know any a few thousand bucks I think a hundred thousand dollars is the upper yeah. end yeah one but of the for a small airport a hundred thousand bucks can go a long way toward getting an asphalt runway resurfaced yeah. sure. mm-hmm. One of the exhibits that I we see every summer at Oshkosh uh, is this tent that has uh, that's the, what the National Association of State Airport Organizations or something oh, like sure, that. Oh, sure, the of course. And and I'm oh, always yeah. Henry Ogrodzinski. And, and, yeah. and although I wander in there every year, we don't know anybody around. associated with that organization. <laughs> yeah, never heard of it. It it always kind of troubles me how few states are actively you know on display in that tent. Do do. I mean, is that because many, most states just don't have an active organization? Or I mean, no, they no, all have. No, they're all. They just, I guess, don't all go to Oshkosh. But it is a quite a vital organization linking the kind of uh, people in charge of airports in all the states. And what uh, Puerto Rico and Guam are they included, Dave? Do you know? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I believe so. Anyways, uh, again, different yeah. states. Different states rate their aviation divisions uh, in the hierarchy uh, mm-hmm. all over the map. Yeah. You know, in some places they're part of uh, the transportation department uh, and it might some be an office commerce, the highway some department. Some of yeah. them are in commerce. Yeah. Um, Tourism, whatever. Yeah. 
Well, but, maybe uh, they all seem to be uh, at least their directors seem to be cogent of the fact that uh, you know the airports are assets and the pilots are assets, and they try to do what they can do with their local lawmakers to uh, see some of these uh, needs realized. Yeah. And well, they have been very involved in the user fee fight, very involved. Absolutely. Yes, well, Naseo yes, under Henry Ogrodzinski has probably been as active and engaged mm-hmm. and influential as it's been in the last 30 years. Uh, mm-hmm. Not to sell short some of the other uh, head honchos that are there over, over the, the, those 30 years. I've known and been friends with a couple of the other ones as well. But Henry's been there, I don't know, 10, 12 years now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's elevated the profile of the organization. He's engaged the organization in more uh, activity with other elements of the aviation community. And, uh, you know, you, your state's got an aviation director or a director of airports or, or, you know, and all of the above. And, uh, you know, if you're interested in promoting aviation in the state, helping keep airports alive and growing and viable, uh, I bet they've got a way for you to get involved. Just exactly right. what I was going to say. Probably yet another way that we can, as individuals, uh, help support and promote general aviation is uh, around the country, track down your state aviation organization and uh, either you know see what they're up to or maybe even look them up and say hi and find out what's going on and where, how you can help, maybe supporting legislation or volunteering someplace. I don't know. Another way to support aviation. So what else here? Let's see. So th- this story's been in the news for many few weeks now, this whole NASA safety study uh, strangeness uh, uh-huh. thing here. And uh, it didn't seem like to me there was much to talk about on the podcast. But, Jeb, you put it on the list. Is there something in particular? I put it on this? the list. It was just kind of a, the, the next chapter in this, in what I'll call this continuing saga. So um, summarize what, what it ha- what's happened up till now. So the, well, go ahead. Um, NASA... Um, I'm, I'm, somebody jump in and stop me if, okay, if I NASA, get off track. NASA uh, hired, yeah. Go ahead, created, created a study, well, an organization to do it, uh, to interview pilots. Uh, they interviewed about 40,000 pilots, if I remember correctly. Uh, about 9,000 of them GA pilots, the rest commercial airline pilots, uh, to get a sense of how the system operates, you know, what what do pilots talk about when the FAA isn't listening, when their bosses at the airlines aren't listening? What do they say about how safe the system is, how things operate? And the data in the, uh, the, the, the survey generated was going to be negative enough uh, in terms of portraying safety and all the little things that have gone wrong and not so little things that have gone wrong that we've gotten away with by dint of luck, good fortune, fate, karma, whatever. Uh, the the NASA wasn't going to release it. And they were going to expunge the data and kind of flush the whole thing down the rat hole of a reboot. Right. Uh, and then some news organization discovered this and outed them, right? Got outed and... Uh, you know, the uh, uh, administrator, the uh, National Aeronautics and Space Administration said, no, we're we're not going to kill it. Uh, and, you know, we're still kind of crunching it. And whoever said we were going to do this was uh, sticking their head out of someplace dark. And, uh, <laughs> so, Jeb, what's the latest that you think is kind of interesting well, about this? The latest, the latest here is I'm going to let Dave go on with it, but the latest here is uh, uh, NASA's uh, union 
uh, NASA's employee union has been uh, taking the agency's management to task on this topic also. Of course, they, they worked on the project, and, and they want to see uh, uh, NASA's work uh, be well-recognized and well-thought of because it affects their employees. This is the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. Um, basically, they are standing by the work that the agency did, um, um, now, now, this is all because NASA tried to rationalize uh, uh, putting the study away by saying that the data was corrupt, corrupted, it wasn't accurate. There have been a number of right. been a number of justifications. And so suddenly people who were actually involved on the ground putting the study together are now stepping up and saying, no, wait, mm-hmm. it was perfectly yeah. fine. Didn't one of the private yeah. contractors step up recently, too, and say who was involved the con- in the study? The contractors, I recall, was, was basically going to do what NASA told them to do. Yeah. Um, and uh, NASA Until NASA said it was because they did a bad job. And now, right. now the contractor's stepping right. up and saying, wait a minute, we didn't do a bad job. Uh-huh. It's a perfect Have we heard any, anything like this uh, uh, before with respect to any other agency of the federal government? And the answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> and the other answer is way too often. Yeah. Yeah. If, uh, if, if, if I'd bit my tongue at every one of these that go along now, I'd be big butt. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not stray too far off the subject here, but uh, it's an interesting story. Maybe we should look into it a little bit more and kind of maybe we can blog about it or something. And uh, was, there, was there any big, uh, though, anything really, you know, earth shattering out of it? Well, that was the thing, right? The portrayal well, was a- going to be that there's a the, the system is not working quite as well as advertised, and the reason we haven't seen the evidence glaring at us from a black smoking hole of an of an airplane hulk is that we've gotten lucky the yeah. black smoking hull, <laughs> hole of an airplane hulk i'm gonna i'm gonna remember that but, but the punchline here is um that this is not a dead issue hopefully they will eventually get around to releasing this data um the nasa i mean the the, the union and, oh, it's and got uh, Congress's attention. The Congress time. is Congress is involved here. The Associated Press uh, uh, first got onto this thing uh, a month or so ago. Um, NASA is disclosing that NASA had closed down this project and was withholding the results. Um, and um, they did that via FOIA and and uh, I'm sure some some other sleuthing, but. Uh, um, being Freedom of Information Act and not that duck pate that you put on. Right, yeah, exactly. But um, the, the so the so-called the, I mean, the results of the study supposedly say that there are more n- close calls out there than current data and current statistics and current reporting. Uh, would otherwise lead us to believe, and that doesn't strike me as being all of that uh, uh, odd. It, you know, <laughs> there's been so much. I mean, really, there's been so much talk about. Well, you know, the safest year ever, and it's been uh, uh, the, the Louisville uh, uh, accident was the uh, or was it Lexington? I forget Lexington, which. Yeah. Lexington, yeah, Lexington. Well, it was really the last time a, a 121, a U.S. 121 carrier uh, uh, got into a fatal accident, and that was in, in 06. Here we are at the end of 07. We're almost done and hasn't been any problems, and 05 was very good, et cetera, et cetera. And, yeah, all that is true. Um, but if you fly much in the system, and, and uh, uh, James, I'm sure you see it also, 
um, you know, there's there's some stuff that goes on, and and uh, there's there's still uh, some hurdles that we should be climbing, and whether it's uh, uh, runway incursions or um, uh, TCAS alerts or uh, uh, just you know equipment outages or, or other stuff, yeah, we can certainly do more. And what this NASA study, I think, you know, we'll all have to kind of wait and see for the for the final uh, results to be released. But what this NASA study, I think, tried to do is quantify some of those those uh, facts and figures that have uh, uh, kind of fallen by the wayside. Yeah. And it would be very interesting. Well, we're definitely reaching the end of our allotted time here. Uh, any uh, last uh, quick shout-outs before we finish up here? Uh, James, did you want to – I know we were going to use this as a, as a, a, a jumping-off point to a longer conversation, but you did mention something about these Fly Utah books. What's, what's that all about real quickly? Well, if you know the work of Galen Hanselman, he's uh, based out of Idaho, Sun Valley, and his first uh, book that I'm aware of was Fly Idaho, which was a wonderful Baedeker to all these backcountry strips, and is one of the wonderful parts about it was just the layout, just so beautifully done, a small, maybe about uh, four by seven inch uh, booklet with... uh, a kind of a notebook spiral you can open to any page and gorgeous photographs and information about every airport and on the ground activities and he's just come out with Fly Utah that is so packed with stuff it's actually in two different uh, books. One is the airports, and the other is what you do on the ground. And these airports are too much. I mean, he's uh, more than a score of them have never been documented before. These are like BLM kind of stuff, and and this is a way to discover these incredible airports and and all the incredible on the ground attractions. So I, my hats off to him for this wonderful work he does. And sounds great. Hey, they'd make great presents and stuff. Oh, and also they come with a software CD, so you can download these. Co- coordinates into your gps hmm. for all the airports cool i have to check that out yeah a, a wonderful what'd you say baedecker yes what a baedecker right. that, for, uh, for those of uh, us who are merely magazine and periodical writers what does that mean well, that's uh, a the sort of a definitive kind of guidebook, and named after, sort of adopted from a real set of beta. They were known as the Baedeker guides, I guess, that were uh, in Europe, maybe in Germany, uh, a century or so ago, I believe. Seriously, hmm. Dave and Jeb, did you know what that word meant? I had no clue. Oh. It's a good word. Well, it's a seasonal. You, beer. you just you realize you just named the episode, so see that's good. I like it. <laughs> Any other well, shout yeah. outs, you guys? But, but but see, your Jack, your challenge is to spell it correctly. Uh, that's what the internet's for. That's what the internet's for. Any other shout outs, you guys? What's going on? Any any final uh, things you want to talk about? No, I uh, uh, a couple of things, but uh, uh, not tonight. Not tonight, Dave. Uh, just once you to, have uh, a headache. Uh, just 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 want to remind all of our friends that might be thinking about uh, flying over the over the holidays to. Uh, uh, you, you know, make sure you got charts and plates in hand, and uh, give yourself and call, some alternatives. And, uh, and call uh, to make sure they have that they're not closed if you want fuel. <laughs> yeah, okay, there you go. That's a callback sure. to an old James story. Yeah, Dave, go ahead. Uh, that was it. That was Just, it. You know, it, it's the. Uh, what did we say the date was here again? The fifth. Uh, Today is the fifth. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, about two weeks, people are going to be pointing their nose cones in whatever directions home or holidays are. So uh, not too early to start thinking about how you're going to handle that. And, you know, 
putting the dog away in the kennel for the trip or getting a mutt muffs for him for the trip. Mm-hmm. Great stocking stuffer for that dog in your life, That's mutt right. muffs. Mm. Well, thank you, guys. James, as always, it's a pleasure. Glad to have you well, joining us. Well, thank you, guys. Now, I'm not kidding. So to, what? Name, a, name one of your books, not necessarily aviation-related, that is still available for sale through, like, Amazon or bookstores or whatnot. Well, I think they're mostly all available. Uh, it's this coming year, the, the third edition of my Encyclopedia of Genetic Disorders and Birth Effects is, is coming out early, I think, in the new year. Oh, and we're just all going to run out and buy that one. James, I'm trying to pay for your annual here, oh, right? Uh, a Brief History of Pakistan is coming out next year. Uh, if if uh, my history of dentistry, the excruciating history of dentistry. I was going to say, man, you got to mention the one about if, if yeah. there's anyone there, a stocking stuffer, it's the history of dentistry. The so excruciating just, history of dentistry, yes. Just, uh, St. Martin's and, and it was like pulling teeth to get it out of you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, James. What's the publisher again? Uh, St. Martin's Press. And it's available through Amazon, right? Oh, yes. So if you go yeah. into Amazon and type James Rembrandt, uh, find one of his books, buy it for Christmas, help poor James pay for his annual. Well, thank uh, you. And, uh, and in general, just Google his name. You'll be amazed. Uh, it's a lot of, <laughs> lot of interesting things he's written about. Thank you, James. Appreciate having you on the podcast. Thank you, again. and great. have a wonderful holiday to everyone listening, all, all the uh, UCAP listeners, and to my dear friends in, at the UCAP headquarters. Absolutely. Thank you, you James. You'll learn more about that. Jeb and his work at jebburnside.com, also uh, Aviation Safety Magazine. Magazine.com and avweb.com. You have a book you want to plug, Jeb? No, I didn't think so. Uh, <laughs> and Dave Higdon. Learn more about Dave and his work at davehigdon.com and myself at jackhodgson.com or aroundthefield.net. Check I'm us all thinking out. about something that should be plugged. But <laughs> this it's, is a, it's, I was going to say, this is a family <laughs> podcast, so I'm not going <laughs> to. And visit us all at the uncontrolledairspace.com website. You can check out uh, the show notes and a lot of other information about the podcast. So thank you, everyone, for joining us here on the virtual hangar this week. And we'll talk to you all again next time. 